Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway North Church based out of Winnipeg, Canada. Your Sunday sermon, any day of the week. We're looking this morning at a, a scripture that has always meant a lot to me, been very impacting on me personally. It's in my favorite book of the Bible, the Gospel of Mark. And in the next few minutes, we're going to be in chapter 6. You can watch it on the screen or in your own Bible. And of course, it's the story of the feeding of the 5,000, otherwise known as the miracle of the loaves and fishes. And then Mark, pardon me, not Mark, but Jesus sort of does a a round two on this and does it again a few chapters later in the book of Mark. It's a slightly smaller crowd, 4,000. But I guess he thought it was such a good miracle that he did it over again. We're going to look at the first of those two, which is chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 31. And here's what Mark tells us. And he, Jesus, said to his disciples, come away by yourselves. Now get this next little phrase. To a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Some of you know what it feels like to be that busy. 32, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place. Second time we hear that phrase, by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and ran there on foot. I'd say there's a sense of need. And these crowds, they ran. They ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. The them here meaning Jesus and his own inner circle, the twelve. 34, and when he went ashore, he gets out of the boat. He saw a great crowd. And he said, oh no, I can't take any more people. Fortunately for them and for us, that's not how the Lord Jesus reacted here. He saw a great crowd. Now, this is when he and his friends, the disciples, they are physically and probably emotionally weary. What does Mark say Jesus did? He had compassion on them, on the, on the crowds. The word there he uses refers to a very a deep emotional response for way down inside. He didn't do what he's going to do here in a moment out of duty. He did it because he wanted to do it. He had compassion on these people. He had compassion on them. And here's why. Because they, the crowds, were like sheep without a shepherd. Well, that's about to change because the shepherd with an uppercase S has shown up. And he began to teach them many things. His first ministry here as shepherding these people. 35, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. That's the third time author Mark has used that phrase. We'll come back to this observation in a moment. It's not an accident. The disciples tell Jesus, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. 
Well, that's not Jesus's plan. 37, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five, five loaves and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit. And the word there really should be translated recline. Then he commanded them all to recline in groups on the green grass. Does this begin to sound vaguely familiar if we know some of the Old Testament? Sheep, shepherd, reclining on green grass. You see what's... Mark is pushing some of our memory buttons here to help us understand what God is doing here through Jesus. Then he commanded them all to sit in groups on the green grass, so they reclined in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. We'll come back to this in a moment, but notice the four actions the shepherd does here. He took, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. Author Mark is going to come back in a few chapters and re-employ those four actions all over again at what we now call the Lord's Supper. Took, blessed, broke, gave. So this isn't quite the covenant meal yet, but it's a, a huge sign of God's care for needy people, took, blessed, broke, gave, to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate. Now, we're talking a huge crowd here. They all ate and were satisfied. Nobody said, hey, I didn't get enough. 43, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces instead of lack which we might expect with a huge crowd, instead of lack, there are leftovers. Twelve baskets full of broken pieces and the fish. And those who ate the loaves were themselves 5,000 men. The word there Mark uses for men, there's several words in Greek for men. One simply means what we would translate it people. But there's another word they had back then, and this is the one Mark uses here, 5,000 heads of families. That's what it really means, 5,000 heads of families. So if there's 5,000 family heads, get your calculator and start figuring out perhaps how many people there were in these crowds. For each of the family heads, there could have been two, three, four, five extra people, the wives, spouses, kids. We could, have be, we could be looking here at 15,000 people. That's not that far-fetched. And those who ate were 5,000 heads of families. What we want to see this morning is how Mark unfolds in front of us an incident that, that we can sum up in four words. Bad place 
good shepherd. Bad place, good shepherd. Now, in the bad place, what's the first thing we read about the good shepherd doing? Well, the first thing the good shepherd does here in the bad place is teach. He taught them. Verse 34, and he began to teach them many things. Now, this thing of the bad place is part of what the Mark wants us to see. Where is it, or more specifically, where are these people when the shepherd Jesus begins to teach them many things? Where does he do that? Well, it's in the desolate place. In other words, he begins to teach them right where they are. And I want to suggest that that's a sign, you know, that what Jesus does in the four Gospels is a sign of what we know he's doing now globally from heaven through the Holy Spirit and through his church. So if he ministered to these people and he taught these people where, right where they were at the moment, that's a picture of what he's committed to doing today. Teaching you and me where, where we are, right where we are in our troubled place, in our desolate place, whatever that might look like. I don't want to be somber or negative, but a good many of us, no doubt, are in some sense in a bad place. God knows about that. And he has compassion for us when that is the case. Desolate, that's the word he, Mark uses. Your desolate place in November of 2022 may be a troubled family. Your desolate place in November of 2022 might be a toxic work environment where you're working at the moment. It could be long-term unemployment. That's discouraging for anyone. It could be, using the word long again, it could be this long COVID we hear about people getting. Our, our good friend Aaron Weeb in the South Church had long COVID, and it was long. It went on and on and on. That could be your desolate place. And it was in their desolate place the good shepherd showed up. And what's the first thing he does? He starts to teach them. Intriguingly, Mark doesn't hear define precisely what Jesus taught them. He just says it was many things. Maybe it was the type of thing we get in the Sermon on the Mount. That could have been. Maybe it was more parables. That could have been. Maybe it was about the end times. When we get further on in Mark in chapter 13, there's a lot there about the, five, the last days, the end times. So it could have been any of those things. I suspect that at least part of what he taught about under that many things heading in the desolate place 
was things these people needed to hear at the moment. A goodly number of years ago when I was working at Youth for Christ here in the city, we had just initiated a new ministry over in West Kildonan. And right after we got permission from the principal in that high school to get this off the ground, Velma and I went off on a holiday up to, I think it was Clear Lake. And on the way up there, I started fretting and second-guessing myself about the way we had done this launch of this new ministry. We called it Campus Life, and it was in one of the high schools in, in West Kildonan. And I started fretting, you know what, maybe we should have set it up in a different high school. And I couldn't let that worry go and just give it up to the Lord. It was clinging to me for some weird reason. We got to Clear Lake, booked into our hotel, and the first night we were there, I didn't sleep, or not till well on in, into the early hours of the morning, because I was fretting about this, second-guessing myself. Uh-oh, did we do the wrong thing? And I, I still remember lying in this bed in the, in, in the hotel room, Remember stippled ceilings? Some of you know what those were. They were kind of a fad back in the 60s and 70s, and it, it had a stippled ceiling with the little sparkles. And the shepherd came to me in my desolate place, and he began teaching me something. He actually quoted from something he said when he was on earth. Isn't that a surprise? And he said, David, David, so it was off to a good start. David, David, you worry about many things. Only one thing is needful. Remember what he said to Martha. I was asleep in five minutes. So maybe... One of the many things the Lord wants to teach some of us this morning is something like that at a personal level. You're running around in circles emotionally or whatever and fretting and pulling yourself down. And the Lord wants to say something like, look, just give that to me. Only one thing is needful and that's knowing him. He taught them. Bad place, yeah. Bad place, but good shepherd. The second thing Mark plays out in front of us to understand this bad place, good shepherd dynamic is this. He set them at rest. We made this observation already in verse 39. He commanded them all to sit down. That's ESV translation. It would be better translated recline. You've probably seen pictures of people you know, in earlier cultures, they'll often be up on one elbow and the table's only a foot and a half high and you sit there and you take bread off the table. That's how it was in those days. And sheep, of course, being animals, they would just lie down literally in the, the green grass. So he orders them, commands, have them all recline in the green grass. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. Our friend Keith Miners, some of you remember Keith. 
was a part of this church for many years. They moved to Nova Scotia. And he used to say this to me probably a couple times a month. I'd be fretting about something and trying to figure something out. And he'd say, David, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what Mark is wanting to remind the readers of. Sheep, shepherd, reclining in green grass. Of course, it's the 23rd Psalm. And everything that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is for the people of Israel in the, in the 23rd Psalm, Mark is saying all of that God is committed to being for us through Jesus. And because of Christ, we can lie down and recline in the green grass. Some while ago, I heard a testimony about a woman that had to get a serious surgery on her throat. It was her thyroid. And they said, look, you'll probably get through this. It's not high risk. However, you're going to have to be really, really careful in your convalescence. You're going to need bare minimum a month bed rest. And her husband's the one that told me all this. And he said for her to have to contemplate a month bed rest was just like a, almost a death sentence because she by temperament was someone that was always up fussing about this and fussing about that, fussing about the next thing. And even one day of bed rest would have been a huge emotional challenge for her. And the doctor said, bare minimum a month. And you could undo the benefits of the surgery if you don't stick with that. So she was frustrated and uptight and discouraged in all this. She's lying in her bed in the hospital. Her Bible's on the table next to her. And she says to the Lord, Lord, I need to hear from you. I'm going crazy. I keep fretting about my kids at home. This needs doing. That needs doing. Something else needs doing. And here I am stuck in this bed. Would you speak to me? She reaches over, picks up the Bible from the, the nightstand next to her hospital bed, opens it up, and I'm not making this up. And she told her husband, who then later told me, her eyes fell on the words, he makes me lie down. I guess her Bible was predisposed to the 23rd Psalm. <laughs> That's where she flipped it open. He makes me lie down. There may be some of us here this morning, and this is what we need to do. Do you know that psalm and Mark chapter 6, which is built around that psalm, it's not saying just go ahead and be passive and sit around or lie around all day. Because in the ver in this psalm, the very next verse after the lie down in the green grass statement, the very next verse says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. So for the writers of scripture to lie down in the grass and to get up and walk in paths of righteousness, those, there's no contradiction there. We need to learn to weave those together. But sometimes the first step in the game is the lying down. Will we trust God enough to just say, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to give all this stuff I'm fretting about to you, over to you.
Lord. Bad place, good shepherd. First thing he says to do is recline in the grass. Third observation Mark brings out here, bad place, good shepherd, is that Jesus, the shepherd, hosted these people. He hosted them like if you invited guests over for supper, you're hosting them. And in verse 41, as we've already noticed, there are four consecutive actions that Jesus does. He took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave it to the disciples who then distributed it to the people. He's not just doing a miracle, although it is a dramatic miracle. You know, there's no way to compute this without factoring in Jesus created food really out of nothing. We call it the multiplying of the loaves, but it, it, and it was at one level, but it was also creating new loaves and new fish. He took, he blessed, he broke, he gave. He's the host, and the crowds are the guests. You know what's going on here? It's a miracle. Yes, I recognize that. It's also something a bit more down-to-earth and a bit more ordinary. Starts with an H. Hospitality. Thousands of people. He and his own disciples are physically and emotionally weary. That's why Jesus brought them out here, so they could get a rest. However, that all factors together. Did he know that was coming? There's some theological mysteries going on here. If that puzzles you, come on up after the meeting, and Peter Todd will explain all of that to you, okay? Yeah. And, and if he can't, then Julia will. Yeah. 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 He took, he blessed, he broke, he gave. Folks, I'll I'll move on here. Hospitality, I want us to go away with that word. He loves these people. It's like he invites them to his house. Come on, come on. Okay, you haven't had any yet. Here's another loaf. I just created it out of nothing. Come on. He's the host and the crowds are the guests. Are you one of those guests this morning? It's a good question to ponder. Am I one of those guests? Because if you are, he's the host and he wants to feed you. Physical food and spiritual reality. That's why he's here. Bad place, good shepherd. One final observation. I'll turn it over to Peter. It's this. With him, this shepherd, there is no lack. There is no lack. How are they going to feed this many people? Start doing the math. Let's, let's say that that upper number that I was suggesting earlier is pretty near accurate. There could have been on the scale of 15,000 people. We don't get that at some Jets games. And they all ate and were satisfied. 
there were leftovers. Let me close with one, one of my favorite, in him there is no lack moments, and then we'll wrap it up. Many of you know that for uh, 10 years, Velma and I, along with the elders of the church, did an internship program at Gateway called King's Commission. It was very challenging, very exciting. And one of the things we did as part of that program, it usually went, I think, eight or ten months, um, September to the spring. And one of the things we included in it was an overseas trip to get a taste of missions. We went to Guatemala, we went to Kenya, we went to India, went to the northern shore of Quebec, in the, almost in the Arctic. One of the India trips that Velma and I w went on, we had to stop on the way over in Montreal. Winnipeg, we flew to Montreal, we had a short layover there, and then we were supposed to fly to Amsterdam, and from Amsterdam to uh, Mumbai in, in India. When we hit the ground, when we landed in Montreal, they came on and said, there's going to be a delay for connecting flights because of the weather. And we looked out the windows on the airplane, and it was a blizzard. I mean, I mean a blizzard. So it was supposed to be maybe 90 minutes that we would be on the ground. Now, they did manage to get us out of the airport and up into the air again and over the Atlantic on the way to Amsterdam. But it was instead of an hour and a half that we'd planned, it was like four hours. And I was doing the calculations in my brain, uh-oh, because we only had room in Amsterdam at Schiphol Airport for a very, very short time there. And if we... If, if we got there three hours late, there's no way we could make the connecting flight to India. So I did the faithful Dave Perry thing that I've done 10 gazillion times. I just started to fret. <laughs> I was like in that hotel room on the way to Clear Lake all over again. We landed in Amsterdam, Schiphol Airport, we went up to the desk. It was KLM Airlines. We went up to the counter, and I, I got everybody's boarding passes. I think including Velma and me, there was about 12 people. I got the boarding passes together. I handed, to the, handed them to the, the clerk at the counter, and I said, can you help us? We got here late from, from Montreal, and we, our flight is going to leave in just a few minutes and he looked at them, he looked at his watch, he looked at the clock on the wall, and he sort of took pity on us. I almost wondered if he was a Christian. He looked at me and he said, you've got a problem. You better come with me. So he opened a little door next to the, the counter there at the check-in desk, and he said, just come on in, come on in. And I said, well, it says employees only. He says, I don't care what it says, come on in. And he took us through all these different doors and down corridors and up stairways, down stairways, through elevators. And he kept saying, hurry, hurry, you're going to miss the flight. We've got to run. About 10 minutes later, we burst out of this hidden network of behind the walls, corridors, out into this big concourse. There's activity everywhere. And smack dab in front of us, it said, Mumbai, India now departing. It was, we came right out at the departure gate, and we ran through. The, the lady at the gate there, the stewardess for the flight, did not look too impressed at us showing up like this at the last minute. But you know what? We got on. They didn't have to hold the flight for us. 
we got on. You know why? Because with our shepherd, there is no lack. And we were going on that trip to represent him to the nations. With him, there is no lack. Maybe for some of us this morning, that's what we need to take home. With him, there is no lack. Something on the scale of 15,000 people ate and were satisfied and the disciples went around picking up the leftovers and it filled up 12 baskets. With him, there is no lack. May I commend to you this morning the good shepherd who meets us in our desolate place. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway North podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from God's word. To find out more about Gateway Church, head to gatewaywinnipeg.com.